Hi there, it's Jillian, and I want to tell you about Jillian on Love Plus, your way to get even more Jillian on Love each week by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Patreon. You can access exclusive bonus episodes with extras, including answers to your most burning questions, advice on all things dating and relationships, and much more. Check out the link in the episode description for more information. Hi there, this is Jillian on Love, and I'm on a mission to teach people how to completely revolutionize their romantic relationships by transforming the relationship they have with themselves. So whether you're in a relationship, you're single or heartbroken, I've got you covered. I'm Jillian Tarecki, certified relationship coach and teacher with over 20 years experience helping people transform their relationship with themselves through their bodies, breaths, and minds. I have coached and taught thousands of people to become better versions of themselves and change the way they show up for and within their love lives. Today's episode, I am going to focus on literally the number one most important thing that we need to do in order to change our love lives. So if you are someone who's struggling in this area of your life. And whether you're in a relationship, whether you're single and been single for a long time, whether you've just experienced a heartbreak and you're just having that moment where you're like, what is going on? You know, like something is not working. This episode is really very much for you because what happens is that most people spend their lives frustrated if they're frustrated with their love lives, thinking that it's everyone else's fault. You know, it's men's fault. It's women's fault. It's their parents' fault. And it's a very humbling moment when we arrive to a certain point in our lives where we recognize that the pattern repeats itself. The pattern that we have, the pattern of it not working out, the pattern of the same thing always happening in our relationships or in our dating scenarios, the pattern repeats itself enough that we realize that maybe this isn't about everyone else. Maybe it is about a story and a fear that lives within ourselves. And it's that moment that we realize that we need to self-reflect because we do keep experiencing the same problems in our relationships. And that is a very powerful moment that takes maturity and courage. So if this is you, be proud of yourself and know that now that you are willing to self-reflect, change is coming. And, you know, I don't love this idea of, you know, I know it's very popular right now to say the problem is me, (laughs) right? And I actually don't think that's true. The problem is not you, but the problem is a story that you have. The problem is fear that you have. The problem is a pattern. And so I think that takes some of the edge off of thinking like, okay, well, something's wrong with me. I'm broken, you know? This episode is really about recognizing having to do the work. And I'm going to point out some really 
common patterns. And you might feel a little called out. And that would be a good thing because I do it with a lot of compassion and understanding. But these are the things that I see over and over again. And these are the patterns. And they're not just patterns of behavior. They're patterns of thought. They're patterns of belief that then lead to patterns of behavior that make it so that the person ends up feeling very unhappy. It leads to so much suffering. And so if nothing else, this episode is about relieving that suffering and to empower you to understand that it may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. And you are not the problem, just like someone else is not the problem. It's a pattern. It's a story. It is a belief. And we got to get to the bottom of it. And so that leads me to what I started off with is the most important part of changing anything in our lives in general, but speaking very specifically to our relationship lives, our romantic relationship lives, but you can apply it to all relationships, of course, is accountability, personal responsibility. And this is the thing that people don't want to hear And yet it is the most important thing that people need to hear. Nothing will change if we don't look in the mirror and think, maybe I need to change something. Maybe there's something that I need to look into. Maybe I have some work to do. I have to do the necessary self-examination in order for me to get out of this rut of suffering. And then for me to get what I want, which is a relationship in which I feel loved and respected and adored, and they do too. And we're happy together. And this is at the end of the day, what everybody wants. I mean, anybody who wants a relationship wants a really healthy relationship. They want love. Love is our oxygen. But It's in romantic relationships where we struggle the most because the stakes are high. The stakes are not as high in our friendships, but the stakes are so high in a romantic relationship because our egos are fragile and our hearts can be very fragile. And if someone we care about or someone we love or someone who we maybe we think we love, but we don't actually love. We're just attached to because they represent something in our lives. Maybe they represent an escape from ourselves or an escape from being alone. But either way, when we're in a romantic relationship, we give someone the opportunity to break our hearts. Now, I, th- I know that sounds very scary, but we also give people the opportunity to love us. We give, when we're in a relationship, we, we give ourselves the opportunity to grow. We give ourselves the opportunity to experience pure love. Again, we also give someone the opportunity to break our heart. And so the stakes are really high. And it's a normal human reaction to when we're rejected, when someone says, no, it's not you. You're not the person I choose. You're not the person who I choose to build a life with. You're not the person who I choose to build a family with and have babies with. That rejection cuts so deep for everyone. It is part of the human experience. And then we start to question our value. 
we then internalize this feeling of inadequacy. And instead of having a moment where we doubt ourselves and we feel not enough because we feel rejected, most people, and I really do mean most, at least the people of the people who I've worked with and the people who message me is they internalize that. And this belief, I am simply not good enough. I am unlovable. I am inadequate becomes the story that defines their lives. And to me, that's a tragedy. And I have been there. So we can't get ourselves out of that story and we can't improve the quality of our romantic relationships without looking inward and seeing that whatever pattern keeps repeating itself has something to do with something that lives within us. And when we start to do that self-examination, whether it's through listening to this podcast, whether it's listening to other podcasts, whether it's therapy, working with a coach, I mean, everyone has their work cut out for them, but not everyone has the same amount of work that they have to do or the same quality of work that they need to do. We're all different. So you might need a therapist. You might not need a therapist. You know, you might need a therapist for a long time. You might just need a few sessions to explore this. Your path is up to you, but almost no one can get away with not doing the self-examination. So what happens in relationships is that we have these unconscious projections that need to be brought to light because if they don't, These projections are the things that drive us into deep dysfunction in relationships. For example, someone says, or has the belief, even if it's not that conscious, I want my woman to always be happy because my mom was always unhappy. So now I feel the burden of having to make her happy my woman happy, which overwhelms me and frustrates me. And now I am beginning to see her, the woman I'm in a relationship with, as the problem. And you can switch this up however you like, but this is a very common narrative in those who date women who are having a really hard time maintaining relationships with women. I will say it again. This is sort of the unconscious narrative. I want a woman, I want the woman who I'm with to always be happy. Even if logically you know that's not possible, this is the operating system. This is what's fueling the relationships not working. I want a woman to always be happy because my mom was always miserable. So now when I'm in a relationship with a woman and she's unhappy and she's not smiling, I feel the burden of having to make her happy, which overwhelms me and frustrates me. And now I'm beginning to see her as the problem. She is the problem. I'm projecting mom onto her. So when she isn't perfect and smiling and happy-go-lucky, she's actually lacking in some way. She's not the one for me. This is when I doubt her. And I am describing someone who then might 
as a result of that starts to shut down, starts to become critical, starts to become emotionally unavailable, starts to pull away. Maybe this person begins by being a people pleaser in the relationship, but then once they realize that they can't actually make their woman happy, then they start to feel burdened and now they see her as the problem. When really the problem is your mom was always unhappy. You may have in your family of origin, you may have had the responsibility, what you believed as a child, the responsibility of making her laugh, making her smile. Maybe you watched your father never being able to make your mom happy. And you combine this with just cultural conditioning, societal conditioning that you get from Hollywood. And now you have a belief that it's actually your responsibility to make the woman you're in a relationship with happy when really it's her responsibility to make herself happy. And your responsibility, just like all of our responsibilities, is to add to the happiness, you know, bank account, you know, to add value to someone's life, to try to be the best version of yourself. But it's certainly not your burden to always put a smile on someone's face. And then your job would be to understand that you got to get more comfortable with your woman or your person not always being happy, right? So this is an unconscious projection. It's the belief, I have the burden, it's my responsibility to make a woman happy. And then you add to that, my mom was never happy. So now, if the woman I'm in a relationship with is in any way unhappy, she is actually taking away from my happiness, so I'm going to resent her. I'm going to reject her. I'm going to doubt her. And then I wonder, why am I pulling away? And then I'm pulling away and she's getting frustrated and she's getting anxious. And I don't really know what to tell her. And this is all because of an unconscious projection, because of what you experience in childhood with your own mother. Coupled, like I said, with the belief that it's your responsibility. Instead of the truth, which is that we experience a whole wide range of emotions and we women feel a lot of responsibility to always be happy. I mean, I have had this complaint before. I remember very distinctly telling my therapist years ago, if I'm unhappy in any way, if I'm not smiling, he's angry. And I remember feeling that burden. And that's a burden that a lot of women feel in relationship. And so we have to leave room for sometimes there's not a smile on our partner's face and we can, you know, try to help them or just live and let live and just recognize that we can't always be happy. Sometimes we're going to have a hard day. Now, this is different than being in a relationship with someone who's chronically miserable. So then the problem, even though for maybe months, years, you've thought, Something is lacking in her. So let me go, let me reject this woman and let me be on a constant pursuit of the woman of my dreams who is always smiling. And then one day you wake up and you realize 
I'm never going to find that woman. (laughs) Hopefully one day you recognize, and hopefully if I'm speaking to you, you recognize that it's not that there's no good women out there. It's not that you're destined to not have the relationship that you want. It's that you have a story that lives inside of you that is getting in the way from you having the relationship that you want. It's not them. It's your story. This episode is sponsored by AG1. I gave AG1 a try because honestly, I do not like taking a bunch of supplements and I always forget. And then I end up not really giving myself the nutritional support that I need and I don't like it. And I really wanted a very simple single solution that would support my entire body and cover all my nutritional bases every day. Some of the things that I wanted, I just wanted a boost in energy, immune support, better gut health, overall, just more vitality. And so I drink AG1 in the morning and it makes me feel really good. And it really makes me feel like I am doing something great for my well-being. What it's done for my hair, skin, and nails, what it's done for my sleep, what it's just done for my overall energy has been fantastic. And so that's why I use it. And I have noticed that since I've been drinking AG1 that I've also been more focused. It's the energy dip at the latter half of the day that doesn't happen anymore when I'm drinking AG1. Every scoop of AG1 is packed with 75 minerals, vitamins, probiotics, and really high quality whole food sourced ingredients. It's just fantastic. I get my AG1 delivered to me every month, so it's super easy to make it into a daily habit. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, replaces your probiotic, and it's in one simple drinkable habit. It has a science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source ingredients. So it helps you build your health first. And that's the most important thing. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com slash Love. That's drinkag1.com slash Love. Check it out. Another example is Someone who dates men, I want a guy to always choose me every second of every day. I see this a lot with women, but I've also seen this with other men who date men. I want a guy to always choose me every second of every day, even though she or he might know that this is not rational, but this is the operating system that is driving the behavior. I want them to choose me every second of every day because I never got that attention from dad. And you can also think, I never got that attention from mom. I'm, I'm giving some just very clear examples. I never got that attention from my dad. My dad was always working. He was always busy. Or he was distracted a lot. Or he was an alcoholic and too unregulated with his emotions to be present with me. He was stern. He was emotionally removed and not in touch with his emotions. He scared me. So now... When the man who I'm in a relationship with is not present with me every single moment of the day, if he's not telling me how amazing I am all the time, 
if he's not calling me every hour on the hour when he's away on a work trip or with his friends, if he is distracted with something or focusing on anything other than me in the relationship, then I get insecure and or I judge him for not being a real man and not being conscious. And so then my behavior might be to cling. Maybe there's some anxious attachment there. Maybe I'm constantly asking for reassurance. Maybe I'm talking badly about him with my friends. Maybe I start to manipulate him a little. Maybe I start to shut down. Maybe I start to pull away. Maybe I just try all these different little strategies to try to bring him back into my orbit when he is at all distracted. And then I get resentful when none of it works. Because resentment and contempt, these are the things that ruin relationships, our unconscious projections until we are able to see that the problem, that the issue is really something that lives within us that we need to work out, we will then think everyone else is the problem and that comes in the form of resentment. When really, if we are in a relationship and we think we have to be chosen all the time, because if we're not, we're going to feel totally insecure. Again, we can trace that back to dad. Or we can trace that back to mom not being emotionally available to us as children. Then I'm going to become hypervigilant. I'm going to notice every single time his attention is not fully on me. I'm going to worry when I am not the apple of his eye every single moment. And really that's when our work is managing our insecurity and recognizing that we also need to pour energy into ourselves and not only focus on the relationship. So if your obsession is with being chosen, whether you're in a dating scenario or whether you're in an actual relationship and you're noticing that the obsession with being chosen, if you can take the time to self-reflect and this is resonating with you, instead of thinking he's the problem, he's not a conscious man, He's not a king. He's avoidant. He's this, he's that. Again, I know that there are definitely people who are avoidant, who don't have integrity, who are absolutely horrible. I mean, I talk about that a lot and I say, stay away. But that's not the pattern I'm referring to. We're talking about you in a relationship and you always feeling insecure because of your hypervigilance that comes from an experience that you had in childhood combined with, like I mentioned before with the first pattern, combined with Hollywood has told me that when a man loves me, he is choosing me every single second of every single day. And that choosing is manifested through actions where he is telling me every moment and every day, he's never distracted He's calling me all the time. He's, you know, never responds to my texts right away, even when he's busy, right? So these are the things. And it's, you know, this is not an easy thing to be able to look at within ourselves. So how do we address that? You know, and it comes with a fear of abandonment. It comes with the belief that I must be chosen every moment of every day. Like this has to be happening in order for me to know that I am loved. And again, it comes back, it goes back, I should say, to something that happened in childhood and 
have to pour energy into ourselves and not only focus on the relationship. And a lot of people will get into relationships, I'm speaking very specifically to this pattern, and over-focus on the relationship, over-focus on the other person. And obviously your partner in the relationship is going to be a major point of focus in your life. But when we have an issue where we have to manage our insecurity because dad or mom did not give us that presence and availability when we were younger, then we can't make it the other person's responsibility to rescue us from that insecurity. We can't then resent them for having some autonomy in the relationship what we have to do instead. And this is a process. It's not overnight. It takes time. There might be things that you have to do. There might be therapy. There might not be. But we have to pour energy into ourselves and not only focus on the relationship. And that energy could be on projects, on work. It's really about dipping into our other resources of love and connection, nurturing our friendships, Nurturing the things that we need to do to feel more independent in a relationship, to really choose ourselves. Oftentimes, I speak about choosing ourselves in the context of, you know, get out of a situationship, don't tolerate less than you deserve. All of that is true. But choosing ourselves is not just limited to that, it also means. Choosing to allow ourselves to receive, which I'm going to get to in a moment. Choosing to, to work on ourselves. Choosing to, to nurture aspects of ourselves so that we feel more whole, so that we feel more connected to ourselves. Choosing to work on our financial stability if we need to. Choosing to work on getting more stability in our friendships. Choosing to contribute or to volunteer somewhere so that we build some community so that we have things outside of the relationship that make us feel more complete. It's really important because just as much as I would tell someone it is not your responsibility to make your woman happy, as explained in the first example here, it's also not someone else's responsibility to always save us from this insecurity that we feel as a result of something that we experienced in childhood. And so I'm not suggesting that you be in a relationship and say, you do you and I do me. This is about how we get in the way of our own progress in our romantic relationships, where we have to see, we have to look in the mirror and look within and see how our problems are coming from an old story and belief system. Another pattern that I want to speak on, and I have spoken about being attracted to emotionally unavailable people, and I have a whole episode on that. So I don't want to repeat. So if you are someone who tends to, your pattern is to always go for the emotionally unavailable and those who are available, you tend to think are boring or you're just not interested, then I have a whole episode on that. So listen to that and listen to this. That's my recommendation. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I believe that it is low self-esteem in its most revealing form when we have contempt for or even when we're just like turned off by someone who actually likes us or is crazy about us and wants to be with us. So if you have ever been turned off by those who actually are available to you and what you consistently find to be the turn-on are those who are rejecting of you. Likely what's going on underneath that, it's like you think, what's wrong with them that they think I'm so amazing? You may have been constantly reminded of your flaws and shortcomings from your exes. So then you meet someone who's not pointing that out and you think, what's wrong with you that you don't see what all my exes see? And you might know in theory that you're a catch, but you don't really know it. You don't really feel that you have value. You can list off all the ways in which you're a catch. You know, maybe you can say, I'm smart, I'm attractive, I have a good job, I'm this and that, but you don't really feel it. And That is the main pattern behind always going for rejecting unavailable people and not being attracted to those who are actually available. You think, how can I receive your love if I don't even trust that your love could be valid because all my other experiences points to the opposite direction. All my other romantic relationships have always highlighted where I'm inadequate. So if you are actually not seeing that, I don't trust you as opposed to understanding that the only thing that you should be questioning are the people who saw you as inadequate. And that could come from childhood. Again, you could have had a very unavailable parent. And so you have grown as an adult and you've grown accustomed to chasing the attention of those who are unavailable because that is something that you were programmed to do from a small child. And so what happens is the conditioning gets more reinforced because the more that you pursue the unavailable, the more that you reinforce the story that you are unlovable instead of the true story, which is that You're just chasing those who are totally wrong for you and are rejecting of most people. And you are blocking the love that very much wants to find you from those who do see you. And so what do you do? You have to start seeing yourself. When we are so desperate to be seen by others, it is a clue that really we have to see ourselves. And this is another form of choosing yourself. It's another form of honoring yourself, recognizing that you do have value 
learning how to meet your needs so that you can feel more in touch with yourself and raise your self-esteem. I mean, life is just too short to waste it on hating ourselves. (laughs) It's just too short to waste it on thinking that we're not worthy enough. And so, yes, there might be deeper work around this, but at some point, I will tell you this, there comes a time in our lives where we just have to make the decision that we are going to allow ourselves to receive the love that we so wish that we would have. Instead of telling the story, no one ever loves me, or everyone is always unavailable, right? Again, this episode is about stop making everyone else the problem and start to look at how we may be getting in the way of what it is that we want. And we got to stand out of the way. So it's not that everyone is unavailable, it's that you keep choosing unavailable. But why? Because you think that those who are available, you're not attracted to them. Well, why aren't you attracted to them? Because you probably think that there's something wrong with them for choosing you. There's something weak in them for choosing you. And you may just have a hint of this, or this might be really big, but that is absolutely your clue that even if you know on some intellectual level that you're a great catch, you don't really know it. And so this very much speaks to being a giver. A lot of givers, a lot of givers, what I mean by givers is that their nature is to be generous. That is literally who they are in their finest moments, in their, and when they are their highest selves, their greatest joy comes from giving without expecting anything in return. But a giver, and I definitely see myself as this too, so I know this very well, a giver, when we are not our highest selves, we are chasing and we are strategizing And we are figuring out a way to give so that we can get more love from someone who, not guaranteed, but oftentimes is a taker and who is selfish. Not guaranteed. There are lots of givers who are with people who are not necessarily selfish, but they're just overgiving and overgiving because they haven't learned how to receive. But then they think the other person is selfish because... They're not getting anything back from them, but really what they're doing is giving, 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 and not asking for what they need. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So there's really two sides of the spectrum of this pattern. The giver who is with someone who's probably really good for them and is a good person, but they think, oh, this person is a taker. They're selfish because I'm doing everything when really they're just not allowing themselves to receive and they're not asking for what they need. And then there's the other pattern, which is related to the low self-esteem chasing people who are unavailable, which is I'm a giver and my pattern is I always go for takers. I always go for the selfish people who are also emotionally unavailable. 
And then I tell myself a story that all the good ones are taken. No one will ever love me. They're all like this. They're all like that. And the most important lesson for the giver is to learn how to receive. And we learn how to receive by once again, choosing ourselves. And by choosing ourselves, I mean pouring energy into ourselves, giving to ourselves what we need, asking for what we need. And the more that we can choose ourselves, the more that we can give ourselves what we need and ask for what we need, the more that we can take up space in the room of our relationship, the more we let another person give to us and the more that we let someone give to us and choose us, the more we can actually accept ourselves too. And so it really is in many ways an exercise in self-acceptance to be able to love ourselves enough to be on the receiving end of affection, love, and attention. Givers are amazing deflectors. They're amazing at self-betrayal. They're amazing at self-denial. They can be amazing at ignoring themselves. But the giver, when he or she, when they are in their highest selves, they are giving without the expectation of anything in return and they are allowing themselves to be given to, too. This is what it's all about. It's about accountability. And it's not a dirty word. It's really about removing suffering. If we have a pattern, or first let me say, if we're consistently not getting what it is that we need and want in our love lives, and if from that observation, we can see that there's a pattern, there's something that keeps happening, keeps repeating itself, and then we can say, maybe, maybe this consistent frustration that I feel Maybe this consistent loneliness that I feel because I think that there's no one else out there. Maybe this haunting that I have that the perfect person isn't out there for me, you know. Maybe this expectation that there should be someone perfect. Maybe this constant feeling like I'm never chosen. Maybe this pattern of always getting into situationships with people who don't choose me. Maybe this constant chasing that I do. Maybe my constant anxiety and insecurity. Maybe my pattern of avoiding and withdrawing and shutting down the moment the things get tough. Maybe all these things are not really about them. Maybe it's because of something that lives inside of me and I'm going to get to the bottom of it because I deserve to be free of it. And I deserve to actually approach my romantic relationships differently because I deserve love. Accountability is not about shame. Accountability is what we need to be able to take on 
so that we can get what we deserve and be freed from the prison of our own story that keeps us stuck in a hamster wheel, not getting what it is that we deserve, which is healthy love. So that's it for this week's episode of Jillian on Love. It was a doozy. It was a big one. I would love to hear from you at hello at JillianOnLove.com to hear what resonated with you, what changes you plan to make. The awareness is the first step. The awareness is the first step. The second step is to really manage whatever resentment we are holding on to. And then another step is to manage our insecurities, to start pouring energy into ourselves if that's what it is that we have to do. Some of you, you'll have to be very mindful of the running away or shutting down when you are in a story that says that they are the problem, when really it's you and your relationship with the parent or you and an old story. This is major self-awareness. This is the work when it comes to our romantic lives. And you don't have to be overwhelmed. You have to approach it with curiosity. This is the key. I'm handing you the key to unlock whatever has been keeping you, you know, trapped in these beliefs. And so I would love to hear from you. And I know I can guarantee that there's got to be at least one person, if not more, whose life could be changed by just maybe one sentence in this entire podcast, one thing that I said. So please do not hesitate to share this with anyone. If you feel called to leave a five-star review, that really helps us. It helps us keep going. And I appreciate you. Until next time. Jillian on Love is a Q-Code production. Executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Shin Yin Hu. Editing and music by Will Tendy. I'm Carlos King, one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television. I am thrilled to announce Reality with the King, where we'll discuss all things reality TV. I have interviewed everyone from Nene Leakes, Teresa Judai and Kenya Moore. Each episode, we will rehash shocking portrayals, honey. Yes! Hilarious shade. And all the drama. Reality with the King podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.